Well, hi everyone. Welcome. I'm Steve and this is Colleen. And you are joining us, Embracing Brokenness Ministries, in a series that we've entitled Sexual Brokenness in the Church. And this is a subject that really the Holy Spirit put on our heart to bring to you and do so over a period of time. But we want to do something a little different this round. We want to invite you in on this journey. And what that means is that depending on how you're coming to us, whether it's on our website or Facebook or a podcast, quite frankly, you might be listening right now, or if you're watching this on our YouTube channel, there are a number of ways that you can communicate with us. So here's what we want to encourage you to do. We want you to participate by asking questions or telling us what it is on this topic that you would find really, really helpful. Uh, it, it actually can be as simple as uh, sending us an email, which is at info at embracingbrokenness.org. You can go to our website, which is embracingbrokenness.org, and, and communicate with us there. So please participate. We want to make this meaningful for you. And so what, what I want to do to start, I just want to kick this over to Colleen. So what, tell us a little bit about what we hope to accomplish here in the next maybe 15 or 20 minutes. Yeah, well, today, I mean, I think we really had three things we wanted to talk to you about. Um, and just following up on the theme from, from last time, but kind of going a little deeper, that our sexual brokenness um, is actually meant to destroy the gift of sex within marriage. And you'll find that, yeah, we're kind of calling things sacred sex and unsacred sex. Unsacred sex is anything outside of God's design. And, um, and Satan is so intentional to break down our relationships and especially our marital relationships by what happens even before we even enter marriage. And so that's one of the things we want to talk a little bit about today. Number two um, is that coming into alignment with God's laws brings incredible joy and blessing. And I think we started talking a little bit about that last week, but I actually want to give you a personal example of how that really plays out here. So I want to shift us from God saying, you know, here's the law, just don't do it, I don't want you to enjoy something, to us understanding where this place of joy comes from in our life by really aligning with, the, with you know, God's laws in this area. And then the third thing really is, again, you're going to keep hearing this, it's probably the message of embracing brokenness in general, but especially, you know, very applicable to sexual brokenness, and that is God has a plan to redeem all, everything in your life, including our sexual brokenness. And so, there is not one area that looks different than another. Sexual brokenness, actually, you're going to see from our frame doesn't look any different than any other way that our brokenness mm -hmm. and separation from God looks. And so those will be the three prime things we want to cover today. Okay, good. Well, let's start off then with just um, a conversation about point one. I, I'd love to hear your, your point, uh, mm -hmm. some of the things that you've experienced, the things that mm -hmm. we've encountered, maybe mm -hmm. in your past counseling and, and even today like yeah. what, is, what does that look like for you and then how can we integrate that into the message today i will say that i can clinically back up and say that one of the big things that always impacted marriages i mean this area of sex and money they always tell you they're kind of the big ones um i was amazed at how many women whether it was in counseling or even doing some healing work in a very different model uh, one of the chief complaints that they had about their marriages was in the, the area of their sexuality. Mm -hmm. And there were just always strong links to childhood sexual abuse, to, you know, things, traumatic um, sexual experiences that they had had, rape, that kind of thing. Um, what's funny is you can, the equivalent is true for men. Mm 
Um, Although men oftentimes will turn some of that sexual abuse um, and run to porn and other things, and that kind of looks like the primary area of blowing up the marital bed. But, you know, it is amazing to me what has happened to this most precious gift of sex and marriage because of everything that goes before. And, you know, and recently on Facebook, and this just keeps bombarding me, I wasn't going to tell this story, but I had done healing, um, some healing and counseling work with a woman who her marriage actually did dissolve. One of the primary things in their marriage was, as they described it, um, there actually was some drug addiction involved here too, but um, was sexuality. He would always say, you know, she got me with sex coming into marriage and as soon as we got married she didn't want to do it anymore Mm. and she clearly didn't and i can remember us doing some counseling work and this woman had severe sexual abuse Mm. um in her life and so you know some of us and you'll hear in my journey sexual abuse early childhood sexual abuse really gives a message to us that this is all we're good for it is a very confusing thing you know, we kind of go along to get our deeper needs met, and then all of a sudden you get married, you have safety, and this beautiful gift has been completely destroyed. Um, so for some reason, that just keeps coming to me as time and time again, I see people get on Facebook, they hold this huge sexual image out there, um, be attracted to me because of the sexual thing, and yet I know from work that I've done with them that they're not at all interested in sex within marriage. It's been a real problem for them. And so you have this dichotomy of Mm. this highly sexualized culture, really bad things happening to us that so distort, you know, the way that we get our own needs met and then comes into the marital bed and there's nothing left of this beautiful gift. So for me, um, going back, and I'll tell a little bit of my journey, you know, at about the age of six, sexual abuse um, entered my life. And not to get into a lot of the gory details, that's certainly not important, but I had multiple people, um, not internal to my family other than a cousin, um, but boys in the neighborhood and just, um, I, I felt like I was a sexual plaything for a variety of different people. And as a result, developed incredible walls around protecting myself Um, and this whole thing of protection you know I quickly came to believe that if I didn't protect myself and have walls and only let people in so far um, nobody else was going to protect me Um, even my father who was a strong man couldn't protect me from this and so um, it was amazing that it spoke that I couldn't be protected on one hand The other interesting thing, though, was that it sparked this incredible curiosity. And I think one of the things um, that even took me years to get through a lot of counseling was that when people groom you, you know, in this area, area of sex, and most people have had sexual abuse have actually been groomed, there is so much pleasure. People don't groom you in a way that's painful and makes you not want to do it. Um, but they entice you with relationship. They entice you with feeling pleasurable. And it's just so difficult for us to, to untangle that as we go into our teenage years. Fortunately, I did not fully lose my virginity outside of sexual abuse until I was 19 years old. Um, not that that's not a good thing either, but you know, at least I didn't have the early teen years where that really can be so distorted as we're kind of coming into our own and we don't understand. And so the violation of purity um, outside of our control or even understanding 
you know, from a young age is really a problem. Um, I would say for me, what, as I look back, and Steve, I'm going to kick it over to you to just mm -hmm. talk about, again, we don't view sexual brokenness any different than we look at any other kind of brokenness. You know, for me later on in life, you know, in my story, I became a workaholic looking for significance. And I really don't view that as any different than people I sit with who have been addicted to heroin. You know, my high of working and putting work in the God spot that only belonged to God is no different than somebody putting a needle up their arm and shooting up, you know, and using the drug as something they put in to numb their pain. And so you're going to hear about that, you know, as we talk about the tree and just our model of where brokenness comes from and some of the, the flags that show up. But for me personally, I think the childhood sexual abuse and then growing up in a family, you know, um, with some distorted role model of my father and, you know, a very religious home where, uh, you know, where women were supposed to be barefoot and pregnant, I really got some images that my job was to make a man happy. Got really confusing as I started to come in you know, to my college years, my young adult years, and was looking for significance. And what I've later learned, I was looking for protection. The thing that I could never gain mm -hmm. was the thing I was looking for in my first, you know, the first guy I ever fell in love with. I was looking that this man was going to be my protector and wipe out some of the things, you know, um, that had happened earlier on. And in my search for this person to protect me, which really is God's job, not my job, in my search, I was willing to give up a lot um, in order yeah. to trade that off. And so I would say that was kind of where really I started to engage my sexual brokenness in a different way. And I'm wondering, you know, if you could just explain yeah. the model of the tree so people can even understand how we even started to look differently about our own individual brokenness. Yeah, I think I can do that. Uh, so I'm going to show you an illustration. This was actually a, a um, charcoal that we had commissioned. Actually, Colleen, God was really clear in a vision to her how to illustrate this whole concept that we're explaining to you. So I want to take just a couple minutes to show you this, and I'll actually put it up on the screen so you can see it a little closer. But um, let's start at, at, the, at the roots, because mm -hmm. you mentioned something about your core longings, okay? Mm -hmm. and, and what's depicted in this, in this tree, and you can see it's pretty barren, so there's, there's not a lot happening here that's real positive right now. Uh, but we also refer to this in, in another way. We say the tree is me. So the mm -hmm. tree is me. It's tree is you. Mm -hmm. The tree is all of us. But when we think about our core longings, uh, those, those places in our life that, that really were only met by God in the garden. It was meant to be that way mm -hmm. for eternity. And of course, sin entered in and everything changed. So what you see here represented in the roots, which you can't see real closely, but you might on the close-up, is there are breaks in this system, the root system. But the roots are also represented by these core longings. And Colleen mentioned significance as one of them. And, and I think also security is, is a huge one for you. Mm -hmm. Significance for me, no doubt. And I can explain that another time. But but the breaks in those root systems are represented by wounds and traumas and things that happen to us in our life. And as you mentioned, what occurred in your particular situation mm -hmm. had a huge impact on how you viewed yourself and viewed wow. God, right? So, so those breaks, those wounds have created this inability, if you will. And the heart represented here is, I think, twofold. It's our heart, but it's also God's heart for us. Mm -hmm. And as, you, as you, that sort of heartbeat connection to 
to feed the, the lifeblood of this tree is broken by the wounds in the root system and in our ability to have our core longings represented here met in God because of them, you know, you, you see the yield, right? Look, look above. I mean, the trunk, you could even look at the trunk as your identity. Mm. But what you see in the, in the, in the branches here, and as, as you'll tighten up a little bit and be able to see represented here is what we mm. call isms. These are the things that we run to. Mm -hmm. All right. Instead of getting our core longings met in God, we run to something else. Now, we're having a series on sexual brokenness, okay? So clearly one of the branches in this tree <laughs> is sex, okay? Yeah. Uh, or relationships even. Now, what that looks like in different relationships can come out in some really bizarre ways. And of course, the ones that you might expect, which are, you know, drugs, alcohol, other abusive behaviors, we call them dysfunctional behaviors, but they are sin. It's sin. It's pure mm -hmm. and simple. It's sin. Uh, because what we're doing is we're chasing down another option, an alternative, different mm -hmm. than what God intended for us to fill that spot that only he wants to fill. So represented here is mm -hmm. just that. Um, in my case, and Colleen mentioned workaholism, yeah, for me, that was very similar. Like I would, my need for significance, I felt, the only way to have that met was to run down, you know, the bigger my balance sheet, the better off I was. Uh, but, but for each of us, there's probably a number of these things that take place, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, the sexual brokenness part of this is one. Um, and, you know, if we can fix one, sometimes we run to another. Mm -hmm. <laughs> or if God heals us in one area, we move somewhere else. Yeah. So this is a great representation. I wanted to show this to you uh, of of brokenness in its purest sense, what really takes place. The good news is that there is healing available. And we'll get to, to showing you what was depicted in another tree to, to sort of see how God and how Jesus heals those wounds. So mm -hmm. that's, I think, a really good general explanation. Mm -hmm. uh, so why don't you go a little bit further mm -hmm. into this mm -hmm. for us, mm -hmm. if you will? Yeah, I mean, another point that we had is that coming into alignment with God's laws brings incredible joy and blessing. I, um, some of my friends probably will watch this, and, and because, you know, I was not gifted with children of my own uh, early on, I had worked with court adjudicated youth, and I can remember saying to the Lord, you know, why am I not having kids? And clearly, he's like, I'm going to bring a lot of kids into your life. <laughs> and quite frankly, the kids I'm going to bring into your life would you really have a nice little Christian baby or multiple babies running around with kids that are coming in talking about their drug use and, you know, um, cursing up a storm? And I was like, yeah, no, I wouldn't have that around when these kids show up on my doorstep and, you know, we're up talking to them until 2, 3 in the morning. That wouldn't be a good influence. And, and so God just said, are you willing to lay it down? I'm going to bring you the kids. I'm going to bring you. And so I laugh at the relationships I've been able to have with people who call me spiritual mom second mom, aunt, you know, and um, and so a lot of kids will come through my life. And one of the things they always tend to come to me is when their parents are like, can you talk to them about sex? I'm like, oh my goodness gracious. Yes, of course I will. Like, let's have the conversation because somebody really needs to embrace a healthy conversation. And it's funny because since Steve and I got married and we have a video of our journey of how we came together, it's really interesting. Um, I have a comparison that actually shows me what coming into alignment with God's laws look like. And so I want to share that with you. I want to share that to all young women um, prior to marriage who are going, what would be the reason I would wait 
you know, not even just address my brokenness, but what would be the reason that I actually would wait? What is this gift in marriage? And so um, I was actually married before my husband's uh, passed away almost four years ago now. And so Steve is a second marriage. And what's interesting is that my first husband and I did not wait um, until marriage, you know, to have sex. And, and so, you know, on my wedding night, it was nothing spectacular, you know, for the people who are waiting and kind of get this incredible gift. That didn't happen for us. We had already kind of opened that gift. Um, but what was really interesting to me was that sex was much more exciting, if I'm honest, before I got married than it ever was after I got married. Like kind of the fun and all of the spontaneity, all of that was gone after marriage. And so I kind of lost the beauty of that gift in my marriage. And what I didn't know until later on was I lost a huge blessing. And here's the blessing. When Steve and I got together, um, God had told me I never wanted to marry again. And before my first husband died, I actually knew I was going to marry again because um, God had clearly showed me that was going to happen. And as I was kind of negotiating with him, he told me he was bringing me a protector. And anybody who knows me, I'm fiercely independent. The last thing I needed was some man protecting me. So that just sounded crazy. Remember, I'm a little girl, tough shell. I got to protect myself, know me, and I can support myself, whatever. And that pretty much played out through my first marriage. And then through a series of events, you know, I surrendered to God to say, okay, first husband prayed, said, Colleen, you're going to marry again. You're going to know the guy. And so what does he do but bring me my first husband's best friends through his college and growing up years. And what was interesting was when we got together, um, it, and at the point we knew that we were getting married, which happened pretty quickly, um, Steve was just like, came in and was a protector for something I said I never even wanted. He came in and he showed me what protection looked like. And protection, and I can remember, you know, a conversation where I was just really afraid. Like, I'm like, I don't know if I want to do this again. I'm not really sure. Um, guys are a really good thing. And I'll never forget you coming in and making some commitments to me and just saying, here's who I am for you, you know, and how I'm going to guard you and protect you. And, and it's all about you. It's not about me. You know, I'm laying my own needs down. And here's the commitments I make right up until marriage. So it's like vows before the vows. Girls, listen for the vows before the vows. They're really important in how a man is actually going to be able to lay down his life later for you, which you really want to have happen. He will show that to you in your dating relationship. If he is full of other-centered love, he will only be concerned about you. And that's what Jesus did for us. And that's the model of manhood is lay down your needs. And so I remember hearing that language and going, I feel protected. And I didn't even believe a man could protect me. What was really interesting, we get up to our honeymoon night. And uh, so like we had purity up until our honeymoon night. And I will never forget after our honeymoon, um, just going, this is totally different. Like entering into covenant relationship feels totally different. And I did it both ways. So I can tell you the wrong way felt a certain way, but the right way was unbelievable. And in this area of our sexual relationship, what is so amazing is there is such a gift of protectedness and this renewal of covenant every mm -hmm. time we come together. Um, and I have the other comparison I have that's crazy. I don't doubt for a minute 
that Steve is going to be faithful to me. And that's faithful, not just sexually, but it's faithful that he's coming back for every argument. It is faithful that he is going to put my needs ahead of his. It is a overall faithfulness, um, which I actually do think sex represents to our relationship with God. There's really crazy parallels of what purity means, of purity of heart. And I can contrast to what happened in my first marriage. I never sat in in this incredible sense of Bob's always going to be faithful. Bob's coming home. Bob's not looking at other women. Bob is not um, going to fulfill his own needs and not worry about mine. And and not that Bob was trying to fulfill his own needs, but there was just a whole different level of insecurity in our marriage that actually doesn't exist now, and, and it's mind-boggling. And so I think as part of our story, I wanted to be really clear. I'm like, how many people, hopefully not too many people, get to do it both ways. Right. Um, I, you know, I'm hoping that marriage endures, and there are some of us that come in and we didn't wait, and there are some of us that come in and we did wait. But how do you compare, right, if you've done it that way? And yet I have this incredible comparison. And I stand and tell, can testify to the fact that coming in alignment with the way God orchestrated it to be gave me the most incredible, beautiful gift, the most incredible security at this stage in my life and in my marriage because of that gift mm-hmm. um, for us. And I, I just think I wanted to, to share that, um, especially with people who are sitting you know, on the fence going, what does this mean in, our, in my relationship and what would be the reason that I would wait? And you know, you've, you've brought some amazing advice to the single women and men out there mm-hmm. by what you said, but I also want to reinforce to, the, to many of you who um, realize that you're just going to have, you're going to need a second chance at this, you know, mm-hmm. just the way we did. You know, yeah. my first marriage failed. It was unfortunate after mm-hmm. marrying my high school sweetheart. It was a long, long process of, of relationship that was deep after 30 plus years, but a uh, story for another time, but what I will say is this, that the beauty in this is that God is a God of second chances and third chances mm-hmm. and fourth and fifth and sixth. So th- this incredible healing that we talk about is yeah. available to every single one of you, and yeah. to, to, like it was for yeah. us. So yeah. this is not some anomaly that can't happen. Right. This is something that you need to get a grab hold of. If you're in a, in a tough situation right now, you know, you know, hold on to that covenant, mm-hmm. you know, because God will heal. Mm-hmm. But if you already have passed that point and there's a, there's a new relationship on the horizon or that you know something's coming, you know, approach it differently. Like, God totally shut down my, my desire when the time that I was single between when I did and re-met Colleen because it was 25 years later. Yeah. I'd only met yeah. her once before uh, getting to Bob's service. But God shut down a desire in me to, to, to do anything other than to wait and to be present and, and the protector that she talked about, it wasn't all that difficult because my healing journey took me through this other process that got me to a place where I could connect with her and we were ready. And God mm-hmm. was the complete orchestrator. He was, oh, the, yeah. he was the conductor of this beautiful uh, orchestral piece, okay? Mm-hmm. So he could do it for you just the way he did it for us. Oh, so absolutely. we're nobody special, okay? Yeah. Let's, just, let's put it that way, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, so what I love about how we're wrapping things up here is that and I'm going to show it to you depicted in this other mm-hmm. tree, is this, is this is what it looks like. Now, you know, 
let's face it, we'll never be perfect. This side of heaven, we're, we're working towards this. Yeah. But what I love about what this depicts, and you can see the bright red and what, uh -huh. I mean, and, the, and a, a, a tree that's absolutely alive. And again, I'll put it up on the screen here. But mm -hmm. what, you, what you can't see here is, uh, is in the root system where those breaks were in the past, the wounds, there's a cross over each one of them. And what has occurred in this particular tree mm -hmm. of restoration mm -hmm. is that God has come in and healed those wounds. Yeah. And what in do in so doing, it's reconnected us with yeah. our heart and His heart. And look at and this is the the lifeblood flowing through our identity, our true mm -hmm. self, in mm -hmm. represented here in the fruits of the spirit, which yeah. I love is a great transition, as you can mm -hmm. see from here to there. Yeah. And and so all the fruits of the spirit come out. Uh, some of us have different fruits than others, and that's fine. But it's all available to us. So I just wanted to show you that real quick and say this that. Mm. Um, you know, I'm glad you're along on this journey with mm -hmm. us. There's, there's a lot here packed into just a, a short video. But uh, again, please uh, reach out, leave us a message, send us an email, mm. send us questions. Maybe there's an opportunity here somewhere down the line where we can answer some questions that matter to you. Uh, but we want you to participate in this process. This is a huge calling on our life right now. So we want you to be part of it and we want you to benefit from it. Now, the great thing about video and audio is it sticks around. Yeah, so yeah. no matter where you are and when you're watching this, I don't care if this was filmed 20 years ago, where we'll be, but if we're still here, send us an email at yeah. info at embracingbrokenness.org. Yeah. In the meantime, thank you all. God bless you. And we will see you again real soon.